New Year, New You. 2020 was one of the most challenging that many of us will face in our lifetime. Whilst a little different, Christmas typically allows time to reflect and restore our energy levels with family. Batteries recharged, how do we look forward to 2021 with positivity? Work patterns are set to remain blended with some home and socially distanced office working. So what tools and self-care can we deploy to maintain those energy levels for both ourselves and our employees? Emma Louise Fisari, founder of In-House Health, provides employers with anonymized health data of their workforce to design targeted health initiatives and employee well-being. She's taken her wealth of experience in chronic disease management and delivering public health programs to get on the front foot of mental and physical well-being. So she joins us today to share her insights on how to have a healthier and happier 2021. Welcome, Emma, to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. This is such a a lovely uh, episode for us to kick the year off with to help us all kind of hit the ground running and in the right way. Um, But before we get into what we can do going forward, I wanted to kind of reflect on 2020. It has really been an unprecedented year of stress and anxiety. So let's, could you help us put that in context? Could you talk to us about what the scale of the problem has been? Well, I think if we look at the tech sector um, in in general, before COVID happened, the stats were pretty shocking, which is why I've chosen to work within this sector and improve health and well-being. So if you work in tech, you are five times more likely to be depressed than the UK average. Um, Around 66% of the workforce is stressed, with 13% being constantly stressed. Um, And around half of the workforce didn't feel that they were supported enough with their own mental and physical health and well-being. So that was before the pandemic hit. Uh, When we look at what's happened, it's only exacerbated the current situation with mental health. People have been impacted from a financial point of view, whether they've been furloughed or whether they've lost their jobs. Um, You know, uh, last year, 72 million working days were lost due to mental ill health, work-related mental ill health, um, and that costs employers around £35 billion each year. Um, You know, isolation has been a huge issue, and hopefully as we go forward uh, in this year, in 2021, that hybrid way of working that you were talking about will help the extroverts that need that and the introverts that don't want to go back to the office um, really (laughs) navigate their their best way of working so that employers are benefiting from all personalities within their their workforce. Um, I think another fact or uh, stat that's really important is that 70 to 75% of people that have actually been diagnosed with a mental health problem um, are not receiving any treatment. So what better way um, to deliver health and well-being to them than in the workplace? After all, we spend a lot of time there. We really do. And as one of the extroverts um, that you just described, you know, I really struggled being at home on my own. Um, I've never done well in any environment where I've not been surrounded by uh, people. Um, But likewise, I have spoken to other people who were like, no, I think this is brilliant. I love it on my own. (laughs) So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is definitely a unique experience. Um, 
It's shocking, though, that 75% of um, mental health diagnoses are not being treated. That's unbelievable. So three out of four people that have issues are not getting any support. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty bad, really. And the waiting lists are just going to be longer, you know, trying to recruit people into the, the NHS and, and these services is difficult. Um, you know, they are in the highest group themselves for burnout and stress and anxiety. So it's a bit of a vicious circle, really. So I just really think if employers want to, first of all, do the right thing, because that's important by looking after the people. But secondly, if they want to make their business successful, then really, Putting health and well-being of your your staff at the foundation of your business will make it a success for everyone. Now, technology. We have yes. been inundated with it this year. Um, and it has really finally provided that flexibility for people to really work from anywhere, um, largely at home this year. But, you know, we will become remote workers where you can work anytime, anywhere. Um, but and that has come with a darker side. And you've written about this um, on your blogs. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's been uh, lo- lots of benefits uh, and advantages of being flexible and working from home, of course. Um, however, I do feel like last year's working from home was not a true reflection on how true working from home really is. But there has been a steep learning learning curve. Um, so there's been a lot of micromanagement going on, which adds to people's stresses and anxieties. I think traditionally businesses are looking at bums on seats um, rather than mm-hmm. output. Um, I've, I've been reading a lot around the larger tech companies, um, you know, your Microsofts and, and Googles and Facebooks that, you know, tend to lead the way in this. And I think what's been underreported is although they're allowing everyone to work from home forever, um, they've also been putting pay cuts in place. So if you choose to work, for example, if you're in Silicon Valley, but you choose to live in a, a less expensive area in America, then they will cut your pay to reflect where you live. Um, so I think, you know, that's that's a huge disadvantage of um, the work from home movement. But in terms of for individuals, you know, there's been a huge blur between um, are we uh, living at work or, or um, working at home? kind of thing um, and there doesn't seem to be a switch off button which impacts on us greatly and um, the whole musculoskeletal thing about how we're where we're sitting how we're sitting um, how long we're sitting um, at desks kitchen tables um, is is really impacting on us um, musculoskeletally um, so that can increase headaches um, neck shoulder pain eye strain um, the list is endless, really, when, when I go on about that. Um, and then, of course, like I said, about not being able to switch off our digital well-being now more than ever is really important. There's lots of negativity on social media um, in the news. So it's important that we switch off from that and uh, improve yeah. our outlook in life. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those bizarre things where we've almost needed social media to stay connected um, yeah. at this time where we haven't been able to have physical connections, but comes with that is everything that's negative that's happening. Um, and, you know, the U.S. elections and fake news and everything that's been going on, and you know, all of the, the horrors around George Floyd. And, you know, it's been it's just been just, you know, a, an incredible, incredible year. Um, so tell me about the the video culture now. Um, we're all on video calls you know, pretty much all day. My brain is on some days, I call it Zoom fried. I literally, my brain literally is 
just totally fried. Um, what are some of the uh, emergent ailments that are coming out associated with that and how can we offset them? Yeah, so, you know, that... Um fatigue that you talk about uh, it comes from uh, there's many different ways that it comes from but naturally being able to read people's body language um we we automatically do that in a face-to-face situation but it's missing from online so if we're spending a lot of time doing video um meetings and, and consultations you you're constantly searching you know, are they smiling? What are they doing with their hands? How are they sitting? Are they interested? Are they not interested? I think if you look at in tech, there's a high neurodiverse population. That's even more difficult. Um, so it really does um, zap energy. Um, and the processes involved in that, you know, sitting at your screen all day, we already know increases headaches and the musculoskeletal problems that I was just speaking about. But it's really frustrating frustrating how many times do you uh speak over someone or and then you're like no you go Mm -hmm. no you go oh you're on mute you know all these kind of phrases that have come out of 2020 (laughs) can Um, you see my screen can you see me yeah yeah can you hear me you're still on mute you're still on mute (laughs) yeah am i frozen am i frozen and then doing the little frozen dance waving your hands like people can see kind of thing so um you know it just all adds up and i think what people have been tending to do as well is they just book call after call after call yeah. and, in, and in real life if you were meeting face to face that wouldn't happen you would allow travel time where you can have the radio on and sing along to your music or listen to a podcast and have some downtime but it's just mm. back to back to back with maybe five minutes for a quick pee and a, a, to make another brew kind of thing so um and ways of, of combating that and like you said you know the good thing about the technologies that, that we have, it's it's been able to keep us connected in times of late where if you know if we'd had a pandemic ten years ago, that would have it, honestly the mental health would have rapidly soared back then because we would have just been so disconnected from people. Um Well I think we probably would be in a uh like a like a catastrophe because like yeah, business wouldn't have been able to operate. If you know yeah. the whole world would have just crashed and we would be in like I don't know, what was that thing that Will Smith was in? Something like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can't even remember, but yeah. you know what I mean. But just complete, ca- you know, you know, the catastrophic impact on the world ten years ago. We just wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. Was it deep? Was it deep impact? Oh no, no. no but we'll, well, well, it'll probably pop into my head during the podcast. Yeah, it's going to do my head in there. <laughs> Somebody can tweet it in. For people yeah. that are listening, tweet in and tell us what that movie was. Um, <laughs> but video, it's not all bad, is it? You know, everything in moderation, but there have been some positives. Um, like we were saying, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have had it. And um, video has brought us closer together in some ways. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so in terms of be- team building, I've seen lots of... Uh, different ideas, what people have, have been doing, um, you know, wine tasting, cheese tasting, um, how you're having your meetings. Although towards the end of 2020, I was seeing a lot of that fatigue that you were talking about and people turning up to meetings and not having the video on. Mm-hmm. That, if yeah. that's going on for a long time, that might actually be that something underlines going on if someone's disengaged. So please check, check in with those people. But, you know, that when I was talking about that travel, there is the capacity to not have to leave your house and meet people, especially in this uh, Manchester weather where it's always bloody rain. <laughs> so, so that's <laughs> yeah. that's all, always a bonus that there's there's no travel. Um, and I think that you know you can connect with people anywhere in the world. So before that might have been an issue or, or highly expensive. So in terms of cost reduction and being able to network or host meetings with people, 
that you wouldn't have been able to fit in your diary or would have had to have gone to America or wherever. Um, it's just allowed us to to expand our networks in that way. Yeah, no, I definitely think, um, you know, for those people that have the technology to be able to do it, and we've got to bear in mind that it's inclusive, but it's not inclusive to absolutely everyone. Um, you know, that it has broken down barriers. People who maybe couldn't attend in person, maybe because of, you know, you know, physical impairment or, um, you know, time, that they're able to now participate in events now more than they would have ever been able to do. So I think there has been a sort of a, a benefit uh, to that. And I yeah, think I the think, other side, and it, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, even if we look at digital transformation as a whole, um, when I look at the NHS, now when, um, so I'm from a general practice nurse background, and when COVID first hit, so asthma is one of my main specialities, I got in touch with some old employers and was like, hey, let's... Uh, let, let me do some video consultations if anyone's worried. And they were like, what? We don't even know what you're talking about in terms of tech. They were like, we, ca- we can't allow that to happen. And very quickly, three months, four months down the line, we've seen how quickly um, online consultations are now embedded in uh, UGP part of how mm-hmm. they deliver their service, which is you know something that would have probably taken them 10 years to <clears throat> implement is now taking them six months. And it's great. I can access my GP now kind of um, tw- you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So that's really been a, a benefit as well in t- terms of the access to care for people. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. I mean, I was I was an early adopter of Push Doctor, and yeah. I loved it, and I'm delighted to see that that's become a mainstream across all the uh, all the, the the medical services. Um, and there has been so many breakdowns of of barriers and things that have happened. You know, I've seen I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen on new on news interviews where people are being interviewed from their homes, and we've seen them in our in our daily uh, Zoom and Teams calls. You know, kids cats, dogs, you know, you name it, it's, you know, it appears. And people are now opening, uh, are having open conversations about mental health because everybody's mental health is affected in this. It's not just, you know, one in four or two in five or whatever it might be. Everybody has been affected um, in different ways, for sure, but definitely everyone has had an impact. And I think, I don't know whether you you would agree that it's been good for us to see the more vulnerable side of of leaders and how that's maybe opening up a conversation. Uh, well, I think the leaders that you would perhaps look at as being uh, like you, um, because you've seen like the cat jump on the laptop or the kids running or whatever. I I I, I genuinely feel like they were the leaders that were already open. To having yeah, these discussions, okay. I think um, the leaders that you might not have seen in those situations probably still haven't put themselves in that um, vulnerability on video calls. I think they probably leave that to the managers or kind of jump in and then say, oh, I've got to go now and kind of leave everyone else to sort it mm-hmm. out. So I'm, I'm not sure that it's it's transformed that much. I think the ones who you might think, oh, yeah, you know, they've got the same shit going on as me are the ones that are would have probably been like that in the office anyway. Uh, I see what you mean. So it hasn't really changed that. It's just that it's more visible, perhaps, with yeah. the ones that, that we already knew about. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the things that we need to be looking out for this year. Um, burnout, you've mentioned it a few times um, uh, so far in the show. Can you help us understand 
what exactly is burnout and what are the key signs that we should all watch out for for ourselves and also for others? So burnout is um, related to, it's not related to individuals um, in terms of how it happens. It's related to the environment in which you're exposed. So if you are stressed or anxious because of your working situation, if you remove yourself from that situation, the stress and anxiety should disappear. So it's to do with an environment, not necessarily to do with um, you as a person. Um, and when we're talking about burnout, um, it's obviously um, an exacerbation, exacerbation of, of chronic stress and, and being in that situation. So exhaustion and that fatigue that you're talking about will present. I know in tech over the last uh, few months that, you know, people have been working really, really hard. There's been no um, let off or breath of air for people. So they might be feeling this at this point now. Um, sleep deprivation um, and disturb, disturbed sleep um, can be a sign. You might also be experiencing cold symptoms, uh, not to be uh, confused with COVID, you know, you can still have a run, <laughs> runny nose and everything else going yes. on, on at the minute. Um, brain fog is a big one. So kind of, um, you know, lack of concentration, not being able to focus on things as well as um, reduced performance. You might notice that in yourself or a manager might notice that in a member of their their team. Um, it's also easy to get irritated when you're so stressed and at that point of burnout where every little thing annoys you and you might find yourself being a bit snappy um, a bit more. Um, and of course, it, it all leads to overwhelm where it's, it's just too much. Um, and, you know, you might see things like skin complaints and, um, you know, stress. We always think about the mental implications of stress, but actually it can appear physically as well. So you might notice um, stomach upsets or, um, like I say, skin complaints, rashes, spots, um, those kind of things, headaches. So um, just, you know, tr just try and look out for that in yourself and other people. And if something is different, then, you know, make sure that workload isn't too big. And what can we do about it if that happens? Um, so I think um, in terms of burnout, it's it's taking a, a step back and looking at what's what's causing it. Sometimes we're we're just as guilty. So when I said we're working too hard uh, in tech at the minute, I think a lot of that's self inflicted and not necessarily by uh, the manager or or, or yeah. business owners. I think people it's an unhelpful coping strategy. I know that when people are um stressed and um, then you will develop um coping strategies for that and most of them are always unhelpful so throwing yourself <laughs> into work more is one of those i mean i'm, I'm just laughing everything you're saying i'm going yep yeah. yeah. So, you, so you spoke you spoke before about uh, how you've been impacted because you're an extrovert and you've hated hated being mm. at home on your own. So you've probably thrown yourself into work more, but that's not yes. necessarily the best thing for your health and well being. It's just it's keeping yourself busy. You know that you're doing something or giving you that purpose. If you're enjoying the podcast, simply hit the like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. If you have the time, leave us a review. You can do that really easily by going to ratemypodcast.com forward slash fast forward. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that loss of purpose um, has definitely been prevalent um, for me anyway this, this year. So um, it's trying to focus on next year and, and things that are going to bring that to me. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, when I when I think about this time and the time that we've all been through, I, the, that airplane analogy keeps popping into my head. You know, put on your own face mask before helping others. Um, yeah. You know, because we really can't help anybody else unless we are, you know, we are physically and mentally well ourselves. So could you give us some tips on what we should all be doing this year to really make sure that self-care is part of our daily and weekly routines? So I think, you know, I could go on and on and on about all these wonderful things you can do. We all know what we should be doing, you know, eating well, exercising, practicing good sleep hygiene, like all these things. But you really have to find what works for you because it is so individualized and and relevant to to you know what floats your boat kind of thing so so my one tip would be to make self-care uh, non-negotiable it's easy to say oh I'll do this or I'll do that I'll go running I'll book this in and when we're busy or stressed or you know burnt out it's the mm. first thing that goes so for me um I think in 2021, you should make sure it's in your diary, schedule it in, whether it's a walk or whatever you want to do, um, but leave it in there. If something else comes up that's that's unlucky, you are more important. You know, if I always say, like, what what happens to you in your business or you in your job if you become unwell due to work-related stress or everything else? So really, this should be a non-negotiable. So schedule it in and keep it in there. Yeah, I mean, I think particularly for entrepreneurs who are at that earlier stage, you know, they're potentially a single point of failure in their their own business because yeah. they're, you know, the buck stops with them for so many, uh, so many, so many things. Um, so that's, I think, you know, what you've described there is probably something that would resonate with me and um, I would be able to make that commitment. But, you know, there are many, many people through this lockdown that have ended up with more caring responsibilities, more household responsibilities to juggle on top of the typical workload. And, you know, whilst everyone has done more, and I absolutely acknowledge that everyone has done more, um, you know, for people who are married in, you know, uh, in partnerships, you know, where it's been a husband or a male partner, you know, they've definitely all contributed and done more, but the most has been done by women. And that has now been... Um, uh, quantified by a UN report. Pre-lockdown, women were doing about three times as much as men, and now it's doubled with about 1.8 more in the UK and nearly five times more in wow. Japan. I have literally no idea what they are doing there. Um, but how do you, you know, we have all of those things on top of you. If you're that person that's, um, that's listening to us have this conversation now, Finding self-care time is going to be almost impossible. What advice would you have for those people that are going to be the most time-strapped? So I have um, a saying that uh, I just came up come up with in preparation for this podcast, which oh, was I love uh, it. yeah, which was uh, use your time wisely. So okay. when you say wisely, <laughs> it's uh, twice and wisely. So um, for example. Um, to get your exercise in, why, you know, exercise doesn't have to be going to the gym and working out like a maniac. It can be your cleaning chores. It can be, you know, mm-hmm. if you've ever changed all the bed covers and made all the beds, it's pretty <laughs> hard work, especially if you like me and you still do hospital corners <laughs> on all my bed and, um, or, you know, hoovering the stairs or whatever that is. That's, you know, now, um, physical activity is recorded as being just moving. So yeah. we don't have to make time to go to the gym, but if we have to clean the house, let's use that as our exercise. Um, and yeah. if you're having, if you're having a bath for, 
self-care you know just some me time but you want to do some personal development listen to a podcast at the same time or or read your book it's just kind of if you can do something you know if you are having a meeting why not make it a walking meeting and go for a walk around the park so you're getting your fresh fresh air and so for me we don't have to try and create all this additional space we just have to make sure we're using our time wisely (laughs) i love it (laughs) that's definitely going to be uh that's going to be now the headline for the for the for the podcast i think that's some really good advice for those people that are are having to juggle all of those things uh, one after another um now we are definitely in a, a more socially conscious and woke society and um employers are now finding themselves without the usual perks that they would try and recruit talent for and um, so gone are the the bars and the you know the, the exciting trips and all of that kind of stuff so well-being has it become the new battleground for employers to compete for talent and what are some of the most forward-thinking employers doing at the minute for the workforces can you tell us give us a bit of insight on that yeah, so I don't think um, it's become a battleground just yet. I think it will be. Um, the younger generations are definitely wanting their employers to care for them and for, and not just that, for them to actually bloody mean it. People can see through all the, the crap like uh, beanbags and, and slides and, mm-hmm. you know, alcohol after work. It's like these are all unho- unhelpful coping strategies that employers yeah. are adding on to the stress. And um, it definitely makes you an employer of choice if you have well-being at the core of your culture. Um and I think, you know, it's for me it's not about reinventing the wheel um when it comes to um being forward thinking for your workforce. Active listening um in tech it's something that is big on the agenda when it comes to audiences. Your employees should be your audience when it comes to listening about how they're feeling and, and how they want the culture to be in, in their place of work. Um offering an experience. So well being for me should be an experience and um, where people feel valued. Um and it's not just about oh we have a part and we do this it really does need to be at the foundation of of your culture Um, and again that's aligning values with your company values and the values of the people that work for you Um, and I think more people are seeking that out when they are looking for an employer of choice that that their values align with with their beliefs you know that could be volunteering giving back and just uh, a a company that has a purpose um and i think practicing gratitude um it's one of the cheapest things an organization can do and that's by recognizing the work that people do for them and thanking them you know a thank you really goes a long way in making someone feel good about themselves um especially especially when it's genuine i think that's the important thing it does have to be genuine and the final thing if anything the work from home uh, movement is taught is that an autonomy is really important. People need to know what their roles and responsibility are, but once they have a clear idea of what that is, they need to be allowed the freedom to get on and do it and not be micromanaged by um, the, the team leader or, or the business owner. Um, and that people will give so much more back when they are given that freedom. So those are some of the examples of what uh, good practice and employers are, are typically doing. Um, but let's talk a bit about in-house health and the consultancy that you have founded. Um, can you talk to us a bit about how you're working with those employers to help address physical and mental well-being in the workplace? 
Yeah, so we are helping organisations get to the root cause of the actual problems. And, you know, there are some great workplaces out there that do, you know, annual surveys, quarterly surveys when it comes to health and well-being. But I just feel that the information that you get getting back isn't as open, honest and transparent as is what it can be. So what we do is we take uh, we provide individuals with health checks and um, which is engaging them in their whole from their own health and well-being and um, we are um engaging them in making behavior changes by identifying risks and then we use that data to help organizations implement relevant strategies for their future um well-being initiatives for their for their future training and education and you know part of our process is also helping with that helping them implement it helping them provide the education and training in where the current problems are i think um at the minute what's going on in health and well-being is it's, it's quite fluffy and it's not tangible and that's kind of what we're trying to achieve is provide the data that can benchmark um, the current problems and actually provide a business case on this is what where, where you spent your money and this is the outcome for that I was going to say when you were just describing that, Emma, that it it sounded like it was a data first approach to um, well-being rather than, yes. you know, the kind of latest fad or, you know, whatever, like we're, we're all eating avocados for the last, <laughs> the last yeah. two years because everybody says it is, you know, it's good for you. But it wasn't, you know, nobody was talking about avocados five years ago. Well, not so much, um, you know, and goodness knows what will be um, next year, but there's no... You know, what you're talking about is taking a very intelligent and um, quantifiable approach to um, implementing sort of, you know, uh, uh, programs that are actually going to see a tangible positive impact on, on people. Well, um, yeah, well, people like at the minute, so I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not calling these um, initiatives or, you know, everything has a place, but workplaces will have yoga, they will have cycle to work, they will have a fruit bowl. And I speak about... Um, Skinny Susan and Fat Bob. So, you know, all <laughs> these things, Susan you know, you, you, you're a skinny Susan, <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> already, yeah, you're already like healthy. So like these programs really are just giving you an extra perk. But when we yeah. look at Fat Bob and accounts, he's not going to put Lycra on and start doing yoga in his lunch break just because his employer's providing it for him. Yeah. He's, he's not going to start eating fruit because it's there because he hates fruit. So for me, it's almost like the well-being we have is just off the shelf because the business next door is doing it or this business was in a magazine and they're doing it. For me, the health has to be as relevant for your organization as it does for the individual. You're really talking about personalization, which is so interesting because just before Christmas, we had um, Sarah and Donna on, who are the founders of Dressippy, and they were talking about exactly the same thing, data-led um you know, fashion personalization and how they're revolutionizing, like, um, Alexa's going to be ordering my clothes for me now, which I was delighted to hear about. <laughs> but you're talking about personalizing well-being um, in the workplace. It's fascinating. Um, so this passion, this passion of uh, uh, in this area has really, you know, stemmed from a distinguished career in healthcare. Um, so really wanted to get a, a kind of whistle-stop tour of that journey um, for you because you've gone from medical to entrepreneur. So could you tell us a little bit about that journey? 
Yeah, so you'll have to rein me in if I start going on for, for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can go on a journey with this. But basically, uh, I am um, where I am, and it started. So as you can tell, uh, I'm I'm not uh, local to Manchester. Well, I live in Manchester, but originally I'm from Glasgow. And I moved to Manchester at the age of 17 uh, to be a pop star. Um, and uh, as you can see, that didn't quite work out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to get a proper job. And um, I was diagnosed as type 1 diabetic at the age of 11 and I'd always had an interest in health my dad had had a heart attack um the year before I was diabetic so you know medical professionals had always been in my life uh, and I found mm -hmm. a lot of them to be quite intimidating and I thought well actually if I can do my job well and make people feel supported rather than um crap <laughs> then mm -hmm. that would be a really satisfying job so off I trotted to the University of Manchester and became a nurse and um, that was uh 18 years ago now and throughout that time I've had varying uh, jobs in um, as a nurse so I've been in I've been a district nurse I've some, got some occupational health experience but predominantly my background has been in general practice so working in GP surgeries and a lot of that time was spent um, talking to people about chronic diseases after they had been diagnosed with a chronic disease rather than preventing it from happening. And mm -hmm. in the end, I just really felt like I wasn't making a blind bit of difference to people's lives because it was all about conveyor belt, one in, one out, stick a plaster on, they come back when it falls off, not allowing me to have the autonomy as a professional to make a difference to someone's life, to educate them and empower them. Um, so I left the NHS in 2016 and uh, didn't have a clue what to do. So I set a childcare business up um, and I'd kind of jumped from the CQC fire to the Ofsted fire. So the CQC is the healthcare regulator. Um, mm -hmm. And I jumped into the Ofsted fire of being accountable to, to their processes mm -hmm. and everything else. And it wasn't really true entrepreneurship or um, even self-employment. You were just limited because of their rules and regulations. So about 18 months ago, I had a good talking with myself and I really wanted to go back to my nursing knowledge, my nursing experience and make a difference. And when I looked at, when I said before about all the fluffy crap that's out there around well-being, I wanted mm -hmm. to go into workplaces and provide them with this, this data, this information that not only engages people in their health, because that's where my skill set is, but informs them from a business decision. We have, mm -hmm. businesses use data for everything. Uh, you know, finances, uh, operations, whatever department, they'll yeah. have shit loads of data on it. But when it comes to well-being, they're like, oh, yeah, we done a survey 12 months ago and this is what X, Y and Z said. But anyway, we're not listening to that because <laughs> it's not on our agenda. <laughs> yeah. So so for me, it was just like I felt like workplace health and well-being, it was be becoming more on the radar for business owners. But really, I want to help them get to the, the nitty gritty and the root cause of the problem. And that that's where my passion lies and that's the kind of journey that I've been on so so yeah and um, so that's where the idea came from and and you embarked on that journey um 18 months ago yeah. talk to me about that transition you know transition from career to entrepreneur it's not easy I've done it and it is really difficult because you are going from being in an as an employee to the the, the business owner and um, what are some of the challenges that you've faced and how have you overcome them Emma? 
Yeah. Oh, geez, I've been on a, you know, the steepest learning curve ever of, of my life. Um, you know, what, being from the NHS, I have had no clue whatsoever in, in, you know, corporate experience or organizational infrastructure or anything like that. Um, so it's been really, really difficult. Um, I've um, just tried to learn as much as possible, tried to develop as much as possible, seeking out accelerators and, and courses. And, you know, you guys are doing a great job at Tech Manchester in helping businesses. Um, I've tried to surround myself with uh, good people, with networking um, and kind of, you know, that active listening that I say employers should have. I've tried to develop that for myself and build in mm-hmm. self-awareness and boys, you know, any business owner will tell you that there's huge amounts of imposter syndrome that, that happen. And, you know, there's some days I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Just, you know, during lockdown, I was looking at becoming a test and trace uh, team operator. And now the vaccines, yeah. I'm like, should I just roll out the bloody COVID vaccine and just, you know, kind of, I do question myself, but I, I genuinely believe in what I'm trying to achieve. So I will keep keep pushing through with that. Yeah, it sounds like a, a very worthwhile and purposeful uh, mission. And one that makes commercial sense too, from the signs of it. Yes. Um, now, um, on to something um, interesting and perhaps maybe on the fluffier side, but you have written an article for the Business Cloud uh, team and it's gone out in the newsletter today. Um, it's available in the show notes and it's around the best tech for well-being. So could you give us uh, a whistle stop on the uh, what you've written about there and what are some of the hottest gadgets out there to help us be well? Yeah, so you know we've we spoke a lot about COVID nineteen, and you know just because we're going we're in twenty twenty one, it doesn't mean that it's disappeared. Um, but you know digital technologies can really negatively impact on our lives. So I wanted to look at some of the things that would benefit our health and well being in twenty twenty one. So my first choice was a temperature controlled mug. Um, so um. I am a teaaholic and uh, for me, this was one of the best things that I found when I was doing my research. <laughs> um, so literally, you um, you control the temperature of your mug um, at, to your liking um, and it will keep you drink warm as long as you need it to go warm. Um, if you're like me, where actually um, I don't practice what I preach and I'm not very good at drinking water, but I will have... 10 cups of tea a day then you know <laughs> half, for me half, yeah half the time my tea ends up going cold and I don't drink it so actually I'm not drinking what the amount of fluid I should be drinking so if it was warm then I would drink it also I thought it was really good so they start from about 70 70 pounds and um, but please make sure you don't stick it in the dishwasher because that's an expensive <laughs> an expensive mistake to make um yeah. so yeah um and and one that I think you'd be interested in is the smart the nerve smart insoles um so during um covid in the first three months of the first lockdown um about a million people downloaded couch to 5k um, and mm-hmm. i know we've already, we're already a nation of runners anyway and these um smart insoles um tell you like um give you information on if you want to run faster improve your technique and prevent injury um, and it's got an app and stuff like that they're really pricey at 250 quid and i did say that they should throw a pair of trainers in at that price um but i think yeah. um you wouldn't put a foot wrong with them. Boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> so. I love it. I love it. You really get, you really pulled out the stops for us today, Emma. Yes. Um, listen, those sound like brilliant uh, gadgets. Now, I, um, my sister in particular, she loves a good, well, I do love a good brew, but she is definitely the brew, the brew queen. So um, she'll love to hear about that uh, mug that'll keep her tea hot all day long. 
Well, the January sales are hopefully kicking off and some of those lovely gadgets might be in those. So everyone check out the Business Cloud article that's written by Emma for you today and uh, go and see if you can get some some good deals. Um, Emma, you have given us so much um, insight today in terms of what is going on with us um, physiologically and emotionally. And um, we always like to finish the podcast with some actionable changes that entrepreneurs can make today. Um, so could you maybe share with us some of your final top tips to um, make a positive well-being impact on us all and the employees in their care for 2021? Yeah, sure. So um, for me, I think you, you know, part of my message is I help you get to the root cause of the problem. Um, and I think that's if it's for yourself as an individual or for your full team, I think it's really important. And building that emotional intelligence, becoming more self-aware of yourself and others around you. So um, try and really understand that, uh, delve, delve deep into it. Um, make time. You know, the, these things, they're not quick fixes. Having a massage or, um, you know, a yoga class is, is not really, they're a bit of a short-term relief. So to, mm-hmm. in, in order to make a long term difference and um, we're going to have to do lots of small small things over a long period of time and um, don't be looking for that um quick result that you know fast fast result thing they never work they never last um, and I think if anything if we're looking at from a from a workplace point of view it genuinely needs to come from the top down people can see through um, organizations that are just ticking a box. Um, so you need to practice what you're preaching and kind of uh, be involved, be the heart of the message that you're trying to deliver. Lovely. Such great advice to finish on. Um, Emma, thank you so much for taking the time to share your expertise with us. I look forward to seeing what in-house health uh, develops and um, achieves over 2021. And um, yeah, thank you for joining us on the show. No, a pleasure, thanks, and uh, let's have a good year this year. Fast Forward is a weekly interview podcast brought to you by Tech Manchester, an incubator for digital and creative startups in the Northwest. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. The podcast is produced by Sarah Bellier, audio editing by Jamie Gownlock, and music by Parma Violets. If you have any questions, feel free to drop us a line at info at techmanchester.co.uk or follow us on any of our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, all under Tech Manchester. Manchester.